0: This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting.
1: Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu forward.
2: Welcome to the Legislature Today, I'm Curtis Tate. This morning's first public hearing of the 2024 session focused on a bill that criminally penalizes public facilities for presenting obscene material to minors. Randy Yoe reports.
3: 14 signed up to speak in favor, 16 opposed to House Bill 4654, which removes schools, public libraries, and museums from the list of exemptions from criminal liability relating to the distribution and display to minors of obscene matter. Pastor Bo Burgess spoke in favor of the bill, referring to issues in his home county schools and libraries.
2: There were several books found in Wood County Schools, uh, as it's already been mentioned and read, uh, teaching kids that sexting is a, a good idea, that they should pay to watch pornography, Uh, giving misleading information about STDs and depictions of oral sex scenes and other graphic sex scenes. Why would anyone want to expose our children to this? It's not about education of our children, but the indoctrination and sexualization of our children from an evil ideology and agenda and the attack on the family and its criminal.
3: Megan Tarbott is the president of the West Virginia Library Association. She opposes a bill she labels as a book ban that does not define who may be criminally liable.
4: In other states, similar bills have been used to remove a wide variety of books from libraries and schools on far-ranging topics from puberty, American history, memoirs, the Bible, and even the dictionary. Additionally, we have questions about how this would be implemented. The current law specifies an adult as a person of 18 years or older. Which adult in the library would be held accountable? Volunteer? Staff? Board member? Is it only the director? How would the library be prosecuted as an entity? Who is responsible at the end of the day for the felony charges is not clear. What is clear is that the library and schools and museums would have to take on additional liability insurance coverage at the taxpayer's expense to protect the very limited resources of their community.
3: The bill now goes to the House Judiciary Committee for discussion. For the legislature today,
2: I'm Randy Yowie. Today, the Senate passed and sent eight bills over to the House, including one to protect police dogs. Brianna Heaney has the story.
4: All of those eight bills passed unanimously. Some notable bills include one that would charge anyone who hurts or kills a police dog or public safety animal. Senator Ryan Weld, a Brook County Republican, says police dogs should be protected, as officers are, under the law.
5: Tragically, in the state, recently we've had two uh, K-9 officers that were killed in the line of duty. Uh, the first was uh, in 2022, uh, Charleston police dog Axel was killed, was shot and killed in the line of duty. And in the letter here, I've got details regarding canine 9 officer uh, Zoe, who was killed in, in, it was 2011, and Zoe was shot while leading a charge into a home with a suspect who was shooting at the officers, and barricaded himself into the home. And and so tragically, we've lost several officers of these canine officers across the state. So I think this affords them some protection and puts a policy statement out on the state of West Virginia's behalf that we are not going to tolerate somebody committing an act of violence against a law enforcement officer.
4: A minor injury will result in a misdemeanor. A serious or fatal injury will result in a felony. Assault resulting in the death of the animal carries a two to 10 year sentence. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston.
2: Bills dealing with human trafficking, a school counselor's duties, and moonshine move to third reading in the House of Delegates today. Randy Owey has more.
3: One proposal on third reading increases criminal penalties for human trafficking, including forced labor, debt bondage, and sexual servitude. House Bill 4656 also establishes limitations on parole and provides immunity from criminal liability for juvenile victims. The bill sponsor, Delegate Brandon Steele, a Republican from Raleigh County, says specifically that the Mountain State needs these increased criminal penalties.
6: Uh, West Virginia has one of the highest populations of foster kids in the country who are the most at risk for human trafficking. Uh, we we also have uh, you know when I was in GovOrg you know and talking to the massage therapy and licensing board, one of the biggest issues they dealt with was human trafficking and unlicensed massage parlors. So we do have uh, instances in West Virginia of sex slavery, of human trafficking, of forced labor that our laws are just not adequate to deal with.
3: The bill passed. Nine 97-0 to zero and now goes to the Senate. With challenges over student discipline, career orientation, and just being a child, concern over school counselors too often filling in for absent teachers and administrators prompted House Bill 4769. The proposal notes that school counselors will be full-time professional personnel, spending at least 80% of work time in a direct counseling relationship with pupils. Delegate Elliot Pritt, a Republican from Fayette County and a public school teacher, told his colleagues about two counselors forced to fill in almost every day for a special education class that no one else would or could take.
0: And they told me that between the both of them, they have over 300 unanswered counseling referrals. Meaning, that could be a child who is a suicide risk. That is a child who's being abused by mom and dad. That is a child that needs new clothes. That is a child that is hungry and they're not able to answer their referrals because they're being tasked in a classroom all day long, then this this bill is absolutely necessary.
3: The school counselor bill passed 94-3. to House Bill 4793 allows a West Virginian at least 21 years old to make up to 50 gallons of moonshine per year at their home for personal use only. Bill sponsor Doug Smith, Republican from Mercer County, says this is an economic development bill, a freedom bill, and embraces an Appalachian history and heritage.
7: It also is a craft. Um, it's myself, I've made beer, I've made wine before. I'd like to, you know, try and do something like that. Ultimately, though, I'm not a bourbon drinker. I want to make rum, you know, something like that, you know, and try it out as a, as a hobby. Um, I also see it as an economic uh, uh opportunity because we could bring in people that do this across the state and have a contest.
3: After floor debate over the evils of alcohol and concerns that 50 gallons was excessive, the bill passed by one vote, 49 to 48, and now goes to the Senate. For the legislature today, I'm Randy Yoe.
2: Geospatial professionals from across West Virginia gathered at the Capitol today to teach the public about their field. Jack Walker has more on that story.
1: Geospatial science is colloquially known as the study of where. It examines geography trends, and state GIS coordinator Taryn Moser says it can be applied across industries.
0: We are not just maps, that we are 3D, we're 2D, we work in real estate, we work in banking and business, we work in the DNR, there's a wide spectrum of disciplines here today and a wide spectrum of geographic data within the state of West Virginia.
1: Today's booths showed how geospatial science helps professionals make informed decisions in fields like geology and meteorology. Merrill Friedrich, who works for the Division of Natural Resources, said it also helps identify regional trends in wildlife conservation.
4: So we've been doing a lot of citizen science surveys where we allow the public to report any animals that they see, um, specifically box turtles, fireflies, um, hellbenders and mud puppies, and river otter are the ones we're looking at now. And it's really great to get the public involved in those products.
1: State professionals hope that today's session helped West Virginians better understand the geospatial resources and opportunities available to them. For the legislature today, I'm Jack Walker in Charleston.
2: Discipline has always been a part of school education, but in recent years, concerns over student and teacher safety have elevated discipline to be the school issue of the day. Reporter Chris Schultz takes a look at the legislature's attempts to address the
0: matter. Last year, state education groups told legislators that school discipline was at a near-crisis level. Since then, the West Virginia Department of Education has analyzed discipline data that shows it is a multifaceted, complex issue. Adam Hankins is the director of Safe Schools, Athletics, and Title IX for Monongalia County Schools. He says things have changed a lot for students in recent years, including the
6: pervasiveness
0: of vapes and phones. But another big factor is that the environment outside of the classroom, at home and beyond, has changed.
6: Maybe 15 years ago a student uh, misbehaved and a parent was called home or a student was suspended from school for a day. and The outside environment, the home environment would take care of that behavior. We'd come back to school and we'd see a different child. That's not the case anymore.
0: He says suspension could now mean giving a student exactly what they want because they don't want to be in school in the first place. In more serious cases, it could mean sending a student away from caring educators and back to an unsafe home environment. Hankins believes that keeping a student in school provides the opportunity not only to, in many cases, meet their basic needs, but also to teach correct behavior.
6: Behavior is nothing different than teaching math or English. They they need to know what they don't know, and it's our job to teach them. Um, If you don't know addition and subtraction, we don't discipline a child, right?
0: Behavioral issues were only exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Younger students in particular return to classrooms without the social conditioning of previous generations. State education officials are hopeful that identifying these trends is the first step towards correcting them, but what the legislature's role is in the process remains to be seen. The legislature attempted to address discipline issues last year with House Bill 2890. It was written to give school teachers and administrators more leeway in school discipline that results from a personality clash between teacher and student. The intent is to allow a teacher to remove a disruptive student to a different environment to protect the integrity of the class for the duration of that class period. Henkin says he appreciates the flexibility HB 2890 has provided educators, while recognizing that the law could use some clarification in certain areas, such as in cases of special education students.
6: It basically gives you an opportunity to sit down with the principal as the teacher, sit down with the parent as the teacher, and express what is going on. So now the principal has had a chance to correct the behavior. Now you're bringing the family in, you're bringing the teacher in, you're bringing the principal in to try to correct that behavior.
0: Teachers and educational leaders say the law has been implemented inconsistently and with potentially serious consequences. For example, statute mandates that students be suspended if removed from a classroom three times in one month. Senator Amy Grady, Republican from Mason County, is the chair of the Senate Education Committee. She is also a third-grade teacher and says she has heard from other teachers around the state that HB 2890 is only being implemented intermittently.
4: It baffles me. You know, it baffles me me that you have a state law and people just decide they they don't want to do it or you know that, that they don't have to follow it.
0: Grady says once the law is passed, it is out of the hands of legislators and it needs buy-in from everyone in the system. Not only are students being disrupted, she says, school discipline is contributing to teachers leaving the profession.
4: This is the number one thing that they have brought to me and said we are this is our this is our number one issue. This is the problem that we think fate is facing education today, whether it's learning or um, you know, affects the learning of others or whether it affects any other part of the school, it's driving teachers away.
0: Grady says she has spent the months between sessions listening to educators across the state, from teachers in classrooms to administrators and Board of Education members. She's also spoken to parents and even companies involved in alternative education solutions to ensure she's considering all of the state's various needs. As for a specific legislative solution, Senate President Craig Blair indicated during a legislative look-ahead event that alternative education for disruptive students will be a focus for lawmakers this session.
3: What we need to do in the classroom is be able to take that disruptive student out, move them to a classroom where there's cameras, where there's specialists, and allow those teachers to do their jobs without the disruption.
0: Grady says whether it be a clarification of HB 2890 or a new approach to alternative education, the legislature needs to take action. But she says part of what makes legislating the issue so difficult is schools are still dealing with the fallout of the state's drug epidemic, leading to students with a lot of adverse childhood experiences.
4: When We have to find that balance of meeting the emotional needs of the traumatized child, but also making sure that that child's trauma does not inflict trauma on somebody else. Um, And that's the hardest part is it's, you know, it's not as cut and dry as saying, well, one way is great for everybody because it's not.
0: For the Legislature Today, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown. New companies
2: and new jobs are coming to West Virginia. And with those jobs comes the need for workforce development and new sources of energy. Earlier at the Capitol, I spoke with Bill Bissett, the president of the West Virginia Manufacturers Association, and Dan Conant, founder and CEO of Solar Holler, about those issues. I'm here with Bill Bissett and Dan Conant, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about here in terms of, uh, uh, of energy in the state of West Virginia and workforce development, and both of you are involved in those issues. Um, Bill, we were, we were talking earlier, there's just been a lot of activity in West Virginia, in the past couple of years, in terms of new companies coming in, mm-hmm. in, terms, in terms of new job opportunities, when with those new job opportunities, there there uh, is a, a workforce development component, uh, certainly, and and you know you're both uh, involved in that to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, explain a little bit about about uh, what your your specific needs are in terms of workforce.
5: Well. Curtis thanks so much and I'll tell you it's a good time to be the head of the Western Union Manufacturers Association because there is so much going on and not just these new companies when you look at Newcore, or Berkshire Hathaway or Form Energy. You also have a lot of existing manufacturers who I think story often doesn't get told and you know employ people every day, paychecks, tax revenue and produce products we need. So it's it's a good story and a good story to tell but especially right now with all the excitement but again like all opportunity challenges come with it and one of those challenges is workforce. But I think what you're seeing currently, you know, under the gold dome and in business circles is a question of what can we do to to remove the impediments to bring people to the workforce? And whether they're a single parent, whether someone's been through uh, substance abuse treatment, uh, whether it's someone who just hasn't had that mentor in their lives in the nature of gainful employment, how do we reach out, especially in the rural areas, and help these people find their way to gainful employment? And, you know, I think that's noble work and important work, but it's also kind of, you know, falling through the we've made to these new employers. Uh, Dan, I think one of the
2: things that you do at Solar Hauler is a a version of workforce development in terms of training, uh, especially uh, out-of-work people from the mining industry to become solo
7: installers. Can you you tell us a little bit more about how that's going? Yeah, it's it's been a crazy ride and it's a lot of fun uh, we this past year we launched an apprenticeship program with Wayne County Schools where we're working with seniors in uh, seniors at Wayne High School and Spring Valley High School uh, who are going through their um, uh, through their trade program so learning electrical drafting you know construction four days a week one day a week they're learning on the job with us as paid members of our crews and you know that's a really important fork in someone's life, the the end of high school, when you can either move away from West Virginia, move out to Columbus or Pittsburgh or, you know, uh, just move out of state, or if you're given the opportunity to stay close to home. So that's that's the area we've really chosen to focus on in the past year, is how do we keep graduating seniors at home, close to family, and give them an entry into the workforce. It's been incredible so far. We're, uh, we've had uh, ten folks go through our apprenticeship program in the past year and out of those eight are staying in state and, and signing on full-time with us uh, to to remain after high school uh, So you know small numbers, but really meaningful for a company of a hundred folks too. that's trying to grow rapidly well, I'm glad you mentioned Wayne County because uh, not too long ago um,
2: the school system there entered into a power purchase agreement uh, that, that involves solar, and I I'm, uh, would imagine some some uh, it, it, it
7: creates some jobs. Could you? Say yeah. a little bit more about uh, yeah. what's happening there. We're really excited for this um, for this deal with Wayne County Schools. Two years ago, the legislature legalized power purchase agreements, which gives uh, you know businesses and nonprofits and municipalities the opportunity to buy power uh, from a solar system without having to worry about the upfront cost, without having to worry about the maintenance. Uh, and so we uh, we want to bid to. Install solar on every single school in Wayne County, all uh, 18, all 18 available rooftops. And uh, Solar Howard is going to be paying for the full upfront investment, which is about 14 million dollars. Uh, and we're going to be selling the electricity to uh, to the schools. Uh, we're going to be able to reduce their annual bills enough to pay. For three teachers forever, uh, it's $150,000 a year in savings between the cost of the solar and what they would have been paying AEP for that same amount of power. And uh, in the process, we're going to be able to put the uh, give all of our trainees, apprentices coming out of the Wayne County schools, a uh, chance to learn on the job on their own school as they're as they're helping to solarize their own their own high school and elementary school. Uh,
2: Well I think one important issue for uh, manufacturers is the cost of energy, Mm -hmm. Um, what what is your position in terms of what the state needs to do to make energy more affordable for for manufacturers and
5: what's the ideal way to achieve that? I think what you're looking at right now is a real time of change, I think, in West Virginia. I think, you know, as it's often said, we're always going to be an energy state, but the nature of that's going to could change. When you look at the, you know, removing the nuclear moratorium, whether you look at you know, the development of Solar Holler, what Dan's doing, whether you look at the new companies coming in, viewing electricity different. But I would say we're all uh, focused on the cost of everything, including electricity. But one of the things I hope to do with the manufacturers is reconnect us with the means of production, and by that I mean we don't know where our food comes from we don't know where products are from we, we don't know where electricity comes from but the more I hope we can inform that discussion and I know I'm kind of you know cracking a joke here depoliticize the nature of energy policy we can actually get to you know what is the cost what's the reliability what's the scope of that production and have real substantive discussions about it especially when we look 10 20 30 years in the future because I do think things are going to change uh, coal has a place of metallurgical but we're not building new steam coal-fired power plants that means the steam coals it's only going to contract. How does that change what we do here in West Virginia? Uh,
2: but is it, as some people say, truly an all of the above need to have have a diverse portfolio of energy?
5: One of the things I like to talk about is not so much all of the above, but everything on the table. I think you have to have substantive discussions what work? Obviously we're a state with a very diverse topography. That's going to change how things are done. The rural natures of it means great. What Dan is doing in New Wayne County, That's very near and dear to me with family. But again, you know, the urban areas tend to take care of themselves pretty well. How do we help the rural areas of West Virginia, which I think have those greater broadband needs? Electricity needs it's just tougher to deploy a product there, whether it's electricity, broadband, or anything else.
2: And one of those things that could help those those rural communities as, as well as urban ones, Dan, I think is community solar and that's something we don't quite have yet. It's something that the legislature would need to enable. Um, can, can you maybe just briefly explain why that's important? Why, why do we need community solar? Yeah. Uh,
7: the way it works right now when we help a family or a business or a church go solar is they put it. we put in solar panels on their own roof. They, Produce the power, it goes out onto the grid, and they get credits on their utility bill uh, through a process called net metering. That's uh, it's fantastic uh, when it works out, and you've got a good site for it. But not everyone lives in a house that where they own the roof, uh, where you've got clear sunshine, and you know, and you plan on staying for a while because you know these are these are long-term investments in the home. And uh, you know we run into so many folks who you know we might not be able to see your roof from satellite because you 've got so many trees uh, mm-hmm. covering up your rooftop I means not much sunlight 's getting through uh, you could uh, live you could live in an apartment complex you could be planning on moving in the next year you know, there 's all those reasons that someone might not be able to go solar, but right now they're uh, they 're prevented from really getting the benefits of solar and instead they're locked into uh, locked into purchasing power from First Energy or AEP. Community Solar what it does is allows us to put in a central system say on a warehouse somewhere or uh, on an old landfill or or a former mine land And we can put in one big system and kind of get subscribers and split up the electricity to hundreds or even thousands of families across the state. They can buy their power from that facility and reduce their bills overall while while helping to drive additional economic development and additional... Uh, you know, generation capacity in the state. So we have so many folks who are asking for that, and if we and it's legal in close to 20 states now. But we have not had that opportunity in West Virginia. Yet.
2: Well, now I think that, that there is a bill that's been reintroduced
7: that will enable that. Yes. Um, do, do you expect that th- that will be passed this year? I'm hoping so. We're getting a lot of interest uh, across both the House and the Senate in in seeing that through. Um, I don't have a crystal ball. In, Quite, quite, in that way, but I'm hopeful. Um, Bill, is there, is there any specific uh,
2: legislation in in the remaining seconds that we have not that sure. you that you're looking for the legislature to, to
5: enact this year? Well, obviously we talked about the child care aspects of that. That's a that's a ma- major initiative. Uh, right now is really a good time for me because in a learning mode right now, week four of the job. Uh, there's not a lot pertaining to manufacturing. We've made a lot of those changes now, which is why you're seeing I think the fruits of that earlier votes by by the governor by the legislature to be more aggressive with economic development. But again, I think we've got to fulfill the commitment to these folks who have come to West Virginia and then expand upon them. what you see, I think, President Blair and Speaker Hanschell do with Choose West Virginia, taking West Virginia to the boardrooms, to the major Boston, New York, Los Angeles, etc., cetera, et cetera, and saying, we want you in West Virginia. That's, that's producing a dividend, I think, for all of us and for the future. In my lifetime, I've never seen this level of growth. I think the key now, now that we pass the legislation, is to get that return on that good work. All
2: right. Well, Bill, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Sure. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Thank you for spending this time with us. Catch the Legislature today, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. And remember, West Virginia Public Broadcasting covers the session daily in our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and the Senate on the West Virginia Channel. I'm Curtis Tate. For everyone here at WVPB, thanks for joining us and have a great evening.
1: Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu forward.
0: Join West Virginia Public Broadcasting for the nightly coverage of the 2024 Legislative Session. From in-depth reports to floor debates, committee action and newsmaker interviews, the legislature today brings you diverse opinions and analysis. Legislators, stakeholders, and advocates all get a seat at the table discussing Mountain State policy and politics.
1: Weeknights at six on West Virginia Public Broadcasting.